0: From the city of brotherly love. And the great state of Ohio. This is DadLine. I'm Michael Sperger. And I'm tired. Oh, nice to meet you, tired. Thanks. Hey,
1: uh, this year's almost over, and I think I speak for all of us when I say... So long,
0: farewell, Alfida zane adieu. Something like that. Yeah, don't let the door hit you on the way out, 2020. Also that. This is our 18th and final episode of Deadline for the calendar year, and we actually started this thing all the way back on January 9th of 2020, which was only seven short years ago. Dog years. Yes, dog years. You know, (laughs) I'm not not really one for New Year's resolutions, uh, and I definitely wouldn't want to do them seven times in each human year. Um, But I do like to take stock at the end of a calendar year, especially one that we want to we want to kind of put this year in that warehouse where the Ark of the Covenant went. I know the rats would stay clear once 2020 is behind us. It is gone and gone. With that said, I mean, I
1: think we know what did not go particularly well this year, but we could take a moment and maybe talk about some of the other things, like maybe some things that went well, some
0: useful stuff. You know, some things that were positive. I like where you're going with that. All right, so, here is the deadline year in review. What went well this year? What went well this year for you, Mr. Wilson?
1: I have joked many times that moving to another state during a global pandemic and, you know, perhaps moving into a house one has not seen before purchase uh, might be a way to set someone up for some pretty significant failures, but um, honestly, getting the family moved into the new house and moving to a new place, even though it was less than ideal in terms of things like getting to spend time with family and meeting new friends and doing all of the things that you would normally do in a move, all in all, it netted out for a definite positive experience for us. I have to say that my family is a heck of a lot healthier and far more comfortable in the house that we moved into. and. I don't know. That feels like that was a really good decision. It was sort of a uh, spur of the moment <laughs> decision, uh, but it's one that seems to have worked out really well. And I think that's maybe the the silver lining to twenty
0: twenty for you know for our family. Certainly, we both know other people who who made a jump like that. How about you? I think one of the highlights uh, this year was actually my van life camping trip in October. First off. It was the first time that I've taken a solo vacation in my adult life. Wow. And I say, wow, like it's something that I do all the time. I
1: I, I think you beat me to that one too. So
0: (laughs) yes, it wasn't like a, oh man, I got to get away from my family. It was more like a, oh, I got to, I got to just unplug from everything for a little bit and do that in a safe way. And do some walking around and some cooking and some, you know, spending a day just chilling and reading a book. Yeah. That does sound like it was pretty incredible and it, you know, marks the beginning of your career as an influencer, I think. So if you visit, um, com, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> somebody register that domain quickly. Yeah. Yeah. No, none of that's happening. <laughs> What did you learn this year? I mean, look, we'll stipulate the obvious. Like, I, I learned that coronaviruses exist in a family and that they're primarily respiratory viruses with uh, additional vascular effects. And this one, da, 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 da. that's all given. What did you learn, like, in your life? I think maybe
1: the most important thing that I picked up this year is that we can live a simpler life than the one we were living And I'll unpack that a little bit. Um, I think everybody knows about being scheduled to within an inch of your life with your kids. And especially when they're the age of my children, there's everything from scouts to soccer to school activities, you know, all of that stuff. When all of that disappeared, I'll admit at the beginning, the silence was deafening. It was so strange to see all of these things disappear from the calendar and Fall off to an abyss where we weren't really sure we were going to see them again, or even worse, at some points thinking that we would see them again just around the corner. I think as things got simpler, we got happier. We spent more time at the park. Uh, we did a lot of fishing. You know, I, I'm very fortunate in that we were able to get some inflatable kayaks for the kids and just go throw them out in a local reservoir. You know, and just paddle around. Wait, the kayaks or the kids? Do it, what got thrown in the reservoir? Yes. Okay, they were both thrown in the reservoir. They, let's face it, you know, 13 and 9, you, you have to kind of maybe force them to have fun sometimes. But once that sort of took, uh, you know, we had a great time and it was. It was very very simple. We've spent a lot more time together as a family and we've learned how to spend time alone together, if that makes sense. Mm. It is entirely possible to sit in the same room with another person and just kind of exist without having to interact and without having to cause any stress or any any you know, there doesn't have to be a conversation. There doesn't have to be something said. You can just sit there and read a book or, you know, flip around on your, your device or what have you, um, and enjoy the company. And still have some sort of mental space around that because I think that's something that we've all kind of needed in these close quarters. That that sounds very northern European. That's like some huga stuff you got going there, dude. We got candles. We've got oil lamps. We've got we got have a gas fireplace in this place, man. We we, we are huga central at this point. What about you? What'd
0: you get? One of the things I've I've been learning this year. There's something I've been learning about like self discipline, having to learn a bunch of new rules that are important for your life, right? That had a clarifying effect, Um, much like the camping trip. I think this, this business of, you know, first it was wash your hands and don't touch your face. And then it was, all right, maybe you need to wear a mask. And then it was like, you definitely need to wear a mask. And, you know, and then when you take that mask off, you have to like, make sure your hands are clean first. And You know, uh, uh, what, what spaces are you breathing in? Who are you breathing with? What's, you know, like all of these things. And I, and I know like as they were happening, they felt confusing and scary and that that's all still true. But now that we've been practicing for nine months, I don't know, like there's, there's a mindfulness thing in it. And I, I, I have a complicated relationship with that word. I feel like it's been so overused. Yeah. So I prefer to call it self-discipline. I think there's a self-discipline thing about kind of in a martial arts sense, right? I've never studied any martial arts, but I've known a number of people who have. And, you know, there is definitely that thing a little bit related to what you were saying. Like you have to know, you have to know where you are in your own space. And I do feel like these new habits and practices kind of unlocked something for me about, wait a second, what are all these other habits and practices that I've just been doing unconsciously? Do I still want them? Do they still make sense? Are they good for me? Um, so there's definitely been that going
1: on. That ties into something I was thinking about. You did say the M word. You said mindfulness. And
0: to yeah. me, that sort of tripped a, a, a separate trigger. I... Uh, you were thinking about how how bath bombs are two for one at uh, spurgervanlife.com? Oh, are they now? Oh, can yeah. you get the pink ones, the ones that you fuck absolutely? Fizzle? Oh yeah, you absolutely can. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> so where I was going with that was, it's very easy to be drawn into some combative mentalities when you're out in the world. You know, we talk about you know, wearing a mask, um, the kinds of things that you think when people might not be wearing their masks appropriately. I read on a, a blog at one point where someone was talking about how seeing someone's face in a grocery store felt offensive. And that stuck with me because I recognized at that point that I was starting to analyze people around me as vectors for threat. And it sort of took me to a a place where I started to look very carefully at, like you said, the media I was consuming. Because how much of the stuff that was going into my head that I wasn't necessarily conscious of was, in fact, a real threat? And where did I need to stop that? Where did I need to put that down? And I think I've learned what my media consumption needs to be, and I think I've gotten a lot closer to it at this point. I mean, like every conversation with my wife now starts with, you probably didn't see this, but – and she's (laughs) mostly right. I mean, (laughs) if it's not a meme that my son texted to me, I probably didn't see it. And that's – you know what? That's been okay because I am getting a steady feed of where we are, and I I do feel relatively well-informed, and I don't have to sit there and doom scroll to get there. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think once you, when you step back a minute and you kind of realize that, that all of our media now, and this has been true for a long time, uh, uh, back into, you know, newspapers and yellow journalism and everything else, but like the media we consume, it's for profit. And the way it makes a profit is by generating a response from you. It is, it is just organized as stimulus, right? Kind of doesn't matter for, for the purposes of the, of the media Money machine. I sound like a, I need a tinfoil hat, but you know, it's, it's just there to provoke a reaction, especially with social media. Social media is meant to provoke an immediate reaction, whether it's a like or a retweet or a a forward or whatever, like, you know, the currency of the, the coin of the realm in social media is, is your reaction. Once I really dialed into that, I stepped back in a big way. I mean, you know, Billy's conversation with us at the beginning of the season about, you know, big rooms and how you're performative in big spaces and argumentative in big spaces also made a big impression. But just that just that little thing of like, no, stop pushing my buttons. I don't need my buttons pushed that often.
1: Right, exactly. And and I need to be maybe protective of my buttons. And that starts with being aware of them. We are in this as a community, Right. There's no way that this disease or this virus can transmit from a person to person if there isn't a community. So we yeah. are all are literally in this together. What have you gotten from other people this year?
0: What were you able to give this year to your community and to the people around you? In terms of things that I've gotten, I'd say I've gotten several pieces of wisdom from my wife that just knocked me on my butt in the best possible way. At exactly the right time. That's the first thing I would call out is something that I've gotten. I have gotten the most wonderful example of resilience from my sister who had her second child at the end of March in the middle of lockdown. Our grandfather used to say, it's never a good time for anything. And who, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they wrote out, you know, that, that hard lockdown at the beginning and, and everything that went along with that in the immediate postpartum time and, um, you know, figuring out, uh, uh, childcare for two working parents and they're both teachers. So that's a whole other thing. Um, you know, and they have just been toughing it out and we, um, see them now and then outside. We get to see the kids a little bit and they're just the most amazing little family. It makes me feel like I have it easy, right? My kids are pretty old, they're pretty self-sufficient. I don't have to do the super small child things, which would make all of this so much harder. So Kate and Joe and and their kids have just been an inspiration to me this year. You know, in terms of the help that I've tried to give, I mean, one of our immediate things, I think we talked about this at the time, was uh, we started we started making meaningful donations to the local food banks um, because we knew that uh, uh, we knew that there was a lot of suffering around us um, and we had the means to help. So we wanted to, we wanted to do that straight out. I have found over the course of the year that I've had people in different settings ask for listening or ask for a pep talk for various reasons. And, you know, because of that self-discipline work and some of those insights I've had, I've been in a position to be able to offer that for other people. I think, you know, this year has also been good practice for listening because you as a listener really can't tell the other person what's going to happen next, which is such the temptation, right? Liz talked about this in the, in the listening episode, our advice is so often about our predictions of what will happen next and what to do. And that just hasn't been possible. And I think there's an opportunity in that to learn how to be a better listener, because when you can't, credibly guess at what's going to happen next and you can't tell somebody what they should do next, then what's left for you is the good stuff, which is just to sit there and take it in and be present with somebody and let them know that they're not alone. How about you, sir? Things help, help you've been offered help. You've been able to give.
1: When we first landed, we got my son set up in a scout troop. They've been very limited in what they could do, but it's been incredibly important to him at a new school you know he's never been in the building that's wild he's never been in the building and to see the the scout troop in particular step up and say hey you know what kid come on in you know have a seat um we're gonna work on some stuff my daughter got straight into soccer to be embraced like that and to see you know this this little girl show up in a room you know a group of other girls and just have them pick up like they knew her and that's been a, a weight off me, you know, as a parent. But that's been, that's been fantastic. On the the flip side of that, my mom and my brother both live here. And the first thing we did when the lockdown came around was uh, my brother and I unilaterally decided to ground our mother. We said, you know, you, you just can't go anywhere. So we're going to have to go do that for you. One of the things that I felt good about was I was able to do that because my brother works in a job where he has to go to a place. And I think I mentioned in another episode that, you know, there's been some, some transmission a little scary there these days, Uh, but I've been able to take care of my mom. You know, I've been able to go get her medicine. I've been able to go get groceries. We've also taken up uh, our, our charitable giving quite a few notches because I do every day recognize my wife is, you know, full time taking care of the house, like the the ultimate hor- hardcore mom that she is. Because quite frankly, she's the one managing the Wi Fi issues for the kids' computers. She's the one, you know, running all the errands and making sure that the machine runs smoothly. I have a renewed respect for that because I've seen it up close and personal. So uh, that's sort of one of those things where I am I recognize that I'm I'm very fortunate. Because of that, you know, we have taken a look at what we could do for our community, what we can do for food banks, what we could do for, you know, children in the community in particular, what we can do with our charitable giving. And we've we've tried to kick
0: that up a bit. I have lightning round questions for you. A TV show or movie... That you particularly loved this year. Aside from
1: The Mandalorian, which has been, you know, required viewing in our house and has been quite wonderful because we sit down as a family to watch it every Friday night. Just like we used to in the bad old days, right? When TV didn't just show up. I think maybe the most important show to enter my life in a long, long time is The Repair Shop. Oh. Are you aware of this show, sir?
0: I'm not.
1: This is a show out of the UK— I, it's the BBC. I believe it's the BBC. I don't know who else would make it. But it is a group of craftspeople. And these are top tier or a neurologist. You've got a conservator in ceramics. You have an art conservator who handles paintings, um, furniture restorers, uh, woodworkers, uh, metal workers. And people bring in their antiques and have them fixed. And some of these things are in horrible, horrible shape. And these people who, you know, you've got a conservator who works on pieces that sit in the British Museum and is now handed this broken ceramic pug to fix. And wow. she brings to this kitschy knickknack all of the skill that she has acquired in a career of restoring things that you and I are not allowed to touch, sir, because they are behind the glass. It's amazing to watch. It's the most relaxing thing ever. There's these mellow, relaxing British voices. And their idea of building tension is, will they finish it on time? And the answer is always (laughs) yes. Yes, in fact, they will. No, they're not going to drop the piece. No, the thing's not going to get broken. It's going to come out perfectly fine. And for some reason, watching that for 45 minutes, man, it brings the blood pressure down pretty quick.
0: What about you? I just fell completely for the new TV series, Ted Lasso on Apple TV. Uh, Pretty sure I told you about it. Pretty sure I told a lot of people about it. Uh, If you're listening to this podcast and I haven't told you about it yet, it's only because we haven't talked lately. (laughs) Uh, I saw somebody describe it as Mr. Rogers meets major league, um, which you wouldn't think would work. And it totally does. Um, (laughs) Because the thing that the show pulls off, which is just so great. And I, I hope we see more of it in popular media. You know, I mean, we talked from the beginning about sitcom dad, right? Like this show is the anti sitcom dad. Ah. Uh, This guy is present as a husband and father. He is, you know, he's dialed in at, at work. Like he cares emotionally about the people that he's working with. And the story doesn't mock him for any of that. It accepts him on his terms. And that allows for some absolutely moving, unexpected moments in, a little half hour comedy that's sitting behind a paywall on Apple TV. So Ted Lasso, highly recommended. It's on the list. All right. Uh, A book that you love from your past and may have gone back to this year for comfort. Uh, That's an easy one. Uh, River runs through
1: it. Oh, Um, Oh, wow. I'll tell you right now, I reread that every summer when we go on vacation this year, we didn't do that um, for obvious reasons. And I sat in my new backyard this summer and I read that book and it hit me harder this year than it has
0: since maybe the first time I read it. And and it occurs to me, we talked about fly fishing when we did Hobbies back in season one, and I don't think you've gotten your fly fishing in yet. I have not yet. I have not. Yeah. Um, that's it's still to come. That's still to come in the, in the spring, I think. How about you? Yeah. Over the summer, I found myself reading and rereading and actually watching and rewatching The Big Short. Um, and that became a touchstone for me for a while because I had this just feeling of unreality. As the response to the pandemic was playing out, I had this feeling of like, well, isn't everybody else seeing what I'm seeing? That book and that movie just do such a great job of capturing that feeling. I was reminded recently somebody uh, I don't know who who came up with this, but somebody said that you know great nonfiction writing is is telling the story of an idea. Uh, Michael Lewis is great at that, and The Big Short is one of his best. And you know just that just that notion while the while the housing bubble was forming of like this is crazy. How long can this go on? It can't go on like this. Yeah. Um, that's the headspace I was in over the summer for better or worse. And that (laughs) was a, that was a helpful guide through. I bet. Let's see. Last lightning round question. If you were going to bubble for the next six months, other than your family with one person from modern day or history, anybody, who would you pick? You know,
1: it's weird because I immediately am drawn to, like, the idea of certain authors or certain um, artists or musicians. I I mean, you know what an interesting answer would be for me? I think I would try to bubble with Robert Fripp.
0: All right, I'm going to need some help there. Who
1: is Robert Fripp? Robert Fripp is the guitar player and founder of King Crimson, which is, of course, like, the granddaddy of prog rock bands, and he's probably the most talented and... Uh, technically gifted person to ever pick up an electric guitar um but that is a statement i will send you some track listings my friend king king crimson's not for everybody but i will say uh once you kind of get your head inside some of his soundscapes and just the the technical finesse you've heard his work if i could bubble with him and just um allow him to uh to teach me and just to open my mind and go back to like the, the total novice. Cause you know, anybody walking in a room with him is a novice. Um, mm-hmm. that would be fantastic. I think that would be fun. What, what
0: about nice. you? Did you have a, a preloaded answer for that? I did not have a preloaded answer for that. Um, I, I, I took the opportunity to think, uh, uh, for half a second, um, <laughs> after posing the question <laughs> and, um, I'm, I'm going to go with Patrick Stewart. And I'm going and I'm going Patrick Stewart because I've been I've been rewatching Next Generation. I've heard Patrick Stewart interviewed more recently when he was doing press for Picard. Um, and I mean, the guy just seems like a heck of a lot of fun. He posts pictures on Twitter of himself in, you know, a pre COVID in a, you know, in a ball crawl, uh, in, in like a McDonald's playland and, you know, or Chuck E. Cheese. Um, (laughs) you, you know, he's, he's had this amazing career. He's a super smart, very sweet guy. I'd get some backstory on, on next generation and stuff. That would just be a ball. It would be super fun to hang out with him. Plus he could, he could read sonnets to you. And that would be pretty nice. He could absolutely read sonnets to me before (laughs) bed. And if I were to fall asleep every night listening to Shakespeare as read by Patrick Stewart, I I mean, like I'd probably like reverse aging. Likely. That is highly likely. I'd I'd wake up one day, like suddenly looking like I was in my thirties again. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) We'd, We'd love to hear your stories of unlikely bubble combinations Give us a call on the DadLine. The number is one 1-412-684-DADS. That's area code 412-684-3237. Our operators are on winter break, as are we after this episode. So we will have to pick up your message in the new year. And remember to subscribe to DadLine wherever it is you get your podcasts. Remember, every time you subscribe, a dad realizes that New Year's resolutions are yet another form of self-flagellation pushed on us by big calendar.